Thank you guys for leading us in some very familiar hymns with a freshness to it. Ann and I were praying with Andy a little while ago in preparation for this service and just thankful to be able to be with you in such a special time in the life of your church. I know God continues to have his hand on this fellowship, and I know that you are looking with anticipation for God to lead. And so I want to just spend some time tonight in some simple biblical teaching concerning prayer and fasting, but what I probably ought to title this tonight is not prayer and fasting, but prayer with fasting. Because in our denominational tradition, Baptist Christians often know a lot and participate a lot in prayer, but often very weak when it comes to fasting. Now, part of that is we're Americans. And fasting is counterintuitive to a culture that is all about self-indulgence and immediate gratification. And let's face it, we get influenced by our culture. But prayer with fasting is a special kind of prayer time. So I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And let this few verses here just be foundational about what we're going to talk about tonight in regards to fasting. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, and you can remain seated. We don't want to get legalistic about that standing, although it's a great thing to do in honor of the Word, but just let this soak as you're seated there. Matthew 6, verse 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, this passage follows tremendous teaching on prayer that we're going to be looking at in just a few minutes. And it's very clear that Jesus says, when you fast, so if you and I are followers of Jesus Christ, it is expected that in certain times in our walk with Jesus, we are going to fast. And since it is so foreign to so many folks in our Christian tradition of churches, I just want to give you some basic insight about fasting in order to understand how valuable these next two weeks can be and how you approach that as you pray in seeking God's will for your new pastor, for the man that God is going to lead here to be your spiritual leader, your pastor, to lead you into the future and following God's will and carrying out the mission of the church. Now, let's talk about what fasting is and what fasting is not. First of all, what it's not. Fasting is not going on a diet. I mean, really, some kind of approach it like, well, this is a great time to lose weight. Well, this, that's not what fasting's about. You may lose a little weight, but that's not the purpose of it. A diet has to do with your physical life, but that is very different from fasting. Fasting is not putting you in danger of having an eater, eating disorder, and I'm not saying that to play a joke on you or to be joking because that's serious business so many teenage girls and young adult women struggle with this mightily in our culture 
But recognize there's no danger here for that because an eating disorder is all about control. And that is the antithesis of what fasting is about. Fasting is about releasing control. An eating disorder can become a chronic condition, a very dangerous physical and emotional condition. But fasting is a temporary thing that we do just for a period of time as we're going through a season of discovering God's will, of repentance, of different things that we will be talking about there. But fasting also, want to remember this, is not to manipulate God. A lot of times people think, well, if I go the extra mile and fast, then God's going to give me what I want. No, fasting is just the opposite of that. It's, about, it's, not but about, it's not about getting what you want from God. It's about discovering what God's will is for you. It's all about him. It's not about us. So it's not about really being totally dedicated and sacrificial so God will give you what you want. That's the opposite of fasting. So, so what is fasting? Well, fasting is abstaining from food or portions of food or something that you really enjoy for a period of time for spiritual purposes. That's what it is. Now, there are many biblical examples, and we really don't have time tonight to study these texts, but here's what I urge you to do. Jot down these texts. Uh, Greg and some others on your staff did a wonderful job in the prep for this and the prep Bible study. But why don't you just jot down some of these passages that you can go to as you're going through times of fasting. First of all, the longest fast. There have been three fasts of 40 days that are mentioned in Scripture. Moses fast, and you can look this up in, in um, uh, Exodus 34, verse 28. Elijah fasted for 40 days. And Jesus fasted for 40 days. And it's fascinating to me in both Matthew 4, 2 and Luke 4, 2, it says that Jesus fasted for 40 days and then he became hungry. I don't know about y'all, but I think that's pretty amazing. I can't, I can't grasp that, to think about that. It's interesting in those three 40-day fasts that are found in Scripture, it only says of Moses that he fasted from food and water, and that is physically impossible. A human being cannot survive that long that, way, that day. So that was supernatural. It doesn't say about Elijah and, G and Jesus that they abstained from water. It just doesn't say that. It was fasting from food. But either way, that's extraordinary. Now, types of fasting. There is the total fast, which is abstaining from food and water or liquids. That's a total fast. Moses did that, but also Esther. And you might want to read about Esther's fast and why she went about fasting in Esther 4, 16. That's another good passage to look at because she had a huge task put before her for the welfare of her people. And she called on her Jewish flock, if you will, of those who knew she was Jewish, to join her in several days of, of total fasting, no food or drink. But there's also what is called the regular fast, and that's basically fasting from food, all food, but you're taking liquids, drinking juices, uh, to have some kinds of nourishment as you're going through that time. And then there's what's called the partial fast. And you can read about that in Daniel 1. You might want to just write down Daniel 1. And you'll see that Daniel didn't want to eat unkosher food. And he wanted to trust the Lord as he was serving in the king's palace to serve under Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, as they were taken into captivity. So he asked the authority if he could just eat vegetables and water versus the incredible food and diet and being a part of the royal household. And by doing that, God blessed him greatly. He had a great witness 
of being a follower of the one true God, God, but that was a partial fast. But there are other things that I really believe that we can fast from in this contemporary culture. The Bible is all about food and water, but I really believe that something like social media and fasting from that can be a tremendous spiritual exercise because so many in this room are addicted to social media. And it's, it's just a tremendous decision to decide to abstain for a period of time. One, it, re- it helps you to realize how dependent you have become on that and allowed it to become too big a priority in your life. But it's also amazing how you can focus on things that matter, but also television. Be a good time to fast from television. Hey, you start fasting from television tonight and you can celebrate coming out of the fast two weeks from tonight and enjoy the Super Bowl. Time is perfect. So if you're going to decide to give up TV for a couple of weeks, then you can come out of it with a big celebration because very often when a fast is over, there is a time of great celebration at the end of that time. So that's something for you to think about. But reasons to fast. Let me give you a few reasons to fast. Number one is repentance and mourning over your personal sin. And you can see a great example of this in Jonah chapter 3. And interestingly enough, folks, this is a pagan people, the Assyrians, which is modern-day Iraq. And the Assyrians were a violent, ruthless power. People were terrified of them. But when Jonah came and preached a one-sentence sermon, wouldn't you love to have a preacher do that? A one-sentence sermon. He was walking the streets with a one-sentence sermon, and everybody up to the king realized they needed to fast and mourn for their sins to undergo a time of repentance. It's an extraordinary story. There's so much about that book I would love to talk about. My goodness, it's, it's one of the best preaching books in the Bible. But we got to go on. Another reason is grief before a big ministry challenge. Now, how do you put those two things together? Well, Nehemiah, in chapter 1 of Nehemiah, he was in great grief in hearing that the wall was in deplorable condition around Jerusalem. And he was one of those that was in captivity serving a, a foreign king. And so he went through a time of grief about what that symbolized for the people of Israel. And in doing that, it was preparation for a building program. That's something people in Baptist churches can understand. Preparation for a building program. It's right there in the Bible, Nehemiah 1. He had grief about the situation they were in, and he goes before the Lord to get his heart ready for them moving ahead. Fourth, the thirdly, in Acts 13, 3, you see the early church at Antioch. That's the church where followers of Christ were first called Christians. In Acts 13, 3, they have what was called a solemn assembly. And there was a time of prayer and fasting within the church, and that was when the church at Antioch was led to send out Saul, that we know as Paul, and Barnabas on the first short-term mission trip in the history of the church, the first missionary journey. Now, it was a little longer mission trip than most of you have taken. They go on a mission trip. But it was the first time that the church, through prayer and fasting, was led of the Lord and got clarity of God's will through a time of fasting to send folks out to a region of the world with which they were not familiar because of prayer and fasting. And then in this passage that we just read about Jesus expecting us to fast, the main reason here is simply greater intimacy with God. That's really 
the motivation that is being taught by Christ in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. One thing you see in these examples I've given you is that some fast are individual, like Nehemiah's fast, but others are corporate, like the Assyrian people when Jonah preached to them, or the church at Antioch when they joined together in a time of solemn assembly. So it can be individual and it can be corporate in fasting. But understand this, the attitude of fasting is what Jesus wants us to keep in mind as you enter into these two weeks. He says, look, when you fast, don't be showy like the Pharisees, the religious leaders who walk around mournfully. I'm so hungry. I can't believe it's been two days since I had a steak. You know, just that kind of self-righteous attitude so everybody can know how deeply spiritual they are. You know what Jesus thinks of that? Yuck. That is not what he desires for you. Now, if you read this text in chapter 6 of Matthew in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he's talked about prayer, he's talking about giving to the poor, giving of alms, and he's talking about fasting. And in all three, he's saying, don't do this to impress man. You do this to enhance your relationship with the Lord. Now, Jesus doesn't say you're never to talk about the fact that you have been praying to the Lord in your quiet time that morning. He doesn't say you can never talk about what you've been doing and giving alms to the poor. You can never talk about fasting. He's not saying that. He's not being legalistic. He's just saying that our attitude, our spirit for doing these things is to please God, is to grow in our relationship with God not to impress men, not to be showy, to impress others that we're more spiritual than we really are. So the attitude about this is vitally important. So you can talk to others here or somebody that you're close to about what you're doing in fasting, but do it in a way that just asks them where you're asking them to pray for you. You're not bragging about it. You're not being showy about it. He is pretty strong that you don't walk around mournfully about how miserable you are because you hadn't had a meal in a day or two. But he's saying, be sure your heart's right. You're doing this for God and not for man. Now, that's a few simple things to keep in mind and a few simple texts to keep in mind on fasting. But let's talk about prayer. Because really, any time you are fasting, it is to be all about prayer. It is to enhance your prayer life. And one of the things that I've found in times of fasting in my life is I cannot believe how it enhances my prayer life. Because when I begin to be hungry and desiring for some kind of food that I'm missing out on for that short-term period of time, it is a reminder to pray. If you can have that approach, that when you're hungry, it's a reminder, it's time for me to pray. Time for me to pray about the things that we're focusing on during that time. And you'll be amazed about how, yes, you don't do this for a diet, but there is a physical and spiritual purification that is taking place when you go through some short-term fasting that enhances your prayer life. So realize this is all about prayer. Jesus spent time in prayer and fasting, obviously 40 days in preparation for beginning his ministry. But Jesus also spent time in prayer and seeking God's will all night long in order to discern the will of God about who was to be chosen as a disciple. That's very appropriate as this church is approaching seeking God's will for who will be the next pastor of Mobley Baptist. Jesus spent all night in prayer 
And I don't imagine he was doing any eating during that time as he was seeking the will of God in prayer. And you can read about that in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. Jesus' teaching on prayer, though, is like his, te his teaching on fasting is like his teaching on prayer. And it's to be done really to enhance your relationship with God. So in that light, I want us to stay in Matthew 6 and realize right there in this passage about not praying showy, not giving to the poor showy, not fasting showy, but doing this for the Lord is the teaching on what is known as the Lord's Prayer. It really, to me, should be called the disciples' prayer. It's a model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not for us. I mean, it's fine to memorize it. It's fine for the team to say it before a big ball game. I understand that, but that's really not the purpose. The purpose is to teach us what to talk to God about. So if you've got your Bibles, let's just real quickly look at the model prayer about things for you to pray for as you enter into this two-week time. Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 9, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, what a privilege. We get to call God our dad. Abba means dad. That's what it means. What a privilege. And I know some of you haven't had a good relationship with your father, and it's even hard for you in having faith in God because of a bad relationship with your dad. But God is the perfect dad. He's the kind of dad that all of you desire to have, all of us. A dad who is strong, a dad who is dependable, a dad who is responsible, a dad who's going to do the right thing, a dad who is compassionate, a dad who loves you, who's committed to you. He's the best of all dads. And then Jesus says, you start your prayer that way, then you want to praise God. And remember, praise is not flattery. Flattery is when you say something good about someone because you want something good for yourself in return. But praise is, uh, flattery is that, is that way, but praise is not that way. Praise is simply acknowledging a good quality in the other person. And here's the beautiful thing about praise, and do a lot of praise in your prayer time over the next couple of weeks because it is incredible when you think about the greatness of God and the character traits of God, how your problems begin to seem real small, real small, compared to the greatness and awesomeness of God. But he goes on, your kingdom come. There's so much in this one little phrase. First of all, you're praying for Jesus to come back because that is when his kingdom is going to be realized here on earth as it is in heaven. So you're praying for the second coming of Jesus Christ. But when you pray for the kingdom come, realize this, the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus reigns. So you're praying for other people to come to Christ. You're praying for the missionary enterprise of the church. You're praying for the kingdom of God to be built up. You're praying for your lost friends. You're praying for family members that are far from God. You're praying for this church to be building up the kingdom of God. There's so much in those three words of this prayer. But he goes on and says that God's will is to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Realize this, folks. The will of God is being done perfectly in heaven right now. But when Jesus comes again at last here on earth, the will of God will be done perfectly here on earth as it is in heaven. That will be glorious. The end of all evil and sin and injustice. A world in harmony, at peace with one another. It will be awesome. 
And that's what we're praying for when we focus on the kingdom of God and focus on the will of God. If ever this part of the model prayer is to be prayed, you're searching for the will of God for Mobley Baptist. You're looking for the will of God. You're begging for the will of God to be done. But not only that, you're asking for basic needs to be met. Here, it's bread, it's food. Because in that culture, when Jesus came along, most people weren't really sure where they were going to have daily bread. We don't have to deal with that in affluent America, like most of the world has had to deal with it all through history. But this is also praying for God to meet our needs. And certainly a need in the life of Marbley Baptist is to have the pastor that God is leading you to have. That is a huge need. So it's not just material and physical needs. There's all kinds of needs. But not only that, prayers for forgiveness. We need to ask God to forgive us. One thing, you know, Renee talked about it this morning, the conviction she came under in going through the time of fasting with the pastor search team and things that she was looking for in a pastor and realizing God was convicting her. How about you? How about you? And the beautiful thing about times of prayer and fasting is the Holy Spirit It's just like a greater time of conviction about our own sin. And when that occurs, be sure you're confessing your sins to God. Because if we don't confess our sins to God, it blocks our prayers. Our prayers don't go above the ceiling of the room we're in. But when we're confessing our sins, then it's like an open channel of God's, of of the communication with God and God's blessings in our life. But not only that, in that confession of sin, we got to be willing to forgive others. Now, this is the hard part. And Jesus knows our human nature so much that at the end of the model prayer in verses 14 and 15, he says, look, if you don't forgive others, I'm not going to forgive you. That's pretty stout. That's pretty stout. That means anybody in your family that has treated you bad, that you have a hard time getting along with, whoa, goodness, that's getting close to home. Coworkers, even jerks that don't deserve it people that have a completely different politics from you oh my goodness can you imagine i mean everyone everyone muslim terrorist everyone that's tough can only be done by the power of god through the power of the holy spirit realizing hey if god can forgive me then i can forgive others because i'll tell you folks tonight in confessing to you The worst sinner on this earth that I've ever met is me. You're looking at him. Because I know how sinful my heart and my thoughts can be. And I have a feeling if you're really honest in knowing yourself, you'll be able to say the same things. God forgives us. We're called to forgive others. And then that really strange request And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because after all, God doesn't tempt anyone. The Bible is very clear on that. So what what does Jesus mean here? I really believe Jesus is saying, protect us from temptations that are too difficult for us to handle. I think Jesus is saying, would you help me to make wise decisions so that I don't put myself in vulnerable situations where I'm more prone to give in to temptation?" Help me to make some wise decisions, Lord. He's saying, protect me from the, e-. it's actually the evil one. The actual translation of the Greek New Testament is the evil one. That's the devil who is constantly having one goal in your life and mine. That's to destroy us. 
I mean, that's, that's really his goal. He wants to destroy our life. And so it's a prayer for protection. It's a prayer for asking God's strength in the face of the temptations that are going to come our way. So tonight, as you begin this time of spiritual preparation for prayer and fasting, and we're really beginning the prayer time tonight, realize that all you learn about fasting in your Bible studies is to be enhancing your prayer life and your communication with God so that God does a great work in your life. And hopefully, if many in Marbury Baptists are engaging in this corporate time of prayer with fasting, God will be getting this church spiritually ready for the next day, for the future, for the time when the man God has chosen comes. And no man will be perfect. Every man has flaws. But he will be the man that God has prepared to lead this church in fulfilling Christ's great commission to build up the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father God, what an exciting time to be a part of Moberly. To be in this historical time in the life of this church to where the people that are gathered here are going to have the opportunity to discover a major leading of your Holy Spirit as far as the man you have chosen to be the next pastor of this wonderful church. And so, Father, as we begin in this prayer time tonight and begin to fast in different ways, whether it's a total fast, a regular fast, a partial fast, whether it's a, a day of total fasting for 24-hour period and then giving up a portion of food like Daniel and his friends did, a vegetable-only diet, whether it's giving up TV or social media for a couple of weeks, whatever it may be, Lord, may you guide us as to what you want us to do, knowing it'll be different for each person here. And Lord, may we do this for your glory. May we do this to grow in our relationship with you. May we do this so you can prepare our hearts as a people to be ready, not only to receive the man you have chosen, but to join with him in fulfilling the mission of the church. Oh, Lord. May it be. For we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.